Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Carolyn McKenzie. Carolyn is the co-host, along with Jeff MacArthur, of Canada's number one national late morning TV show on Global TV, aptly named The Morning Show. With over two decades in Canadian television, Carolyn has seen and done it all in her transition from reporter to news anchor to lifestyle host. A mother of two and a wife of one, let's jump right in. Welcome, Carolyn, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Hi, Andrew. Uh, I am doing very well. I always chuckle when I hear, I think I was on my, a glass of wine on a Friday night when I wrote my little bio there. When I said wife of one, I thought it was, a, I thought, oh, aren't I funny? When I hear it being, when I hear someone say it back to me, I'm like, oh, look at me on a Friday night, just thinking I'm hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, wife of one for now. And uh, actually, we just celebrated 20, our 20th wedding anniversary earlier in the week. So um, yeah, being a solo wife for one has is working out so far, but uh, I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you Great. for asking me to join you. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here, and congratulations on that milestone. That's fantastic. Thank you. I have to tell you, this is very surreal for me. I literally just watched you on my own TV at home as you did your national telecast of the morning show on Global TV. You have been up since God knows what hour, did your show prep, did your actual one-hour show, did your post-show breakdown. You already planned for tomorrow's show. This is like the end of a full day for you. Be honest. Am I getting cranky? Needs a nap, Carolyn McKenzie? You're probably getting the best one because I don't know which way is up. <laughs> so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth now? We are filterless. <laughs> How right. is the show? Because I can't even remember it. It feels that long ago. Well, it was a great show. And I think what's interesting about it is how many different segments you kind of go through. You go through the you know the news and you do lifestyle stuff and you do celebrity stuff. So I thought it was great. And I think that's what makes you so interesting is you've had this transition. We're going to cover all that in your career. I wanted to ask, what part of town do you live in, if you don't mind? We are in the West End, the Etobicoke. I also want to ask, if you don't mind as well, about your family and if you've survived the transition to getting everyone back to school and work. You bet. Uh, I mean, although we were hit early on, my little guy is just getting over a cold, a bad one. So, I, you know, my husband and I looked at each other day two and Matt is not feeling well. And we're going, here we go. It didn't take long for back to school germs to to kick in. So we're on the other side of that. But otherwise, it's uh, it's it's been good. Yeah, we're in the West End. Etobicoke is where I grew up. I went to high school out there, Michael Power, St. Joe's. Uh, my husband is a firefighter in the West End. He services um, the South, South Etobicoke, the highways, the um, lower West area. So if you live in that area, um, that friendly one of those friendly faces is my husband um, helping save that part of town day in and day out. So that is our connection to the West End. I mean, my career has taken me all over, well, not all over, but to different parts of the country. And then we, I found, at least myself, because I grew up, my husband grew up in Oakville, but I, I found my way back home to the area where I grew up. Excellent. Well, you've, as you stated, born and raised in Toronto, but you did your bachelor journalism degree from Carleton University in Ottawa. How'd you like mm -hmm. living in Ottawa and how'd you like living away from home? I loved it. I Ottawa is a great city to go to school. And 
I I loved being away from home to experience it. I, I think the term these days is adulting, and you quickly learn about being an adult when you have to live on your own and pay the bills and juggle school and work and you grow up fast and it's, it's really important. But you also, but that new sense of freedom of living with your friends, being in, I guess we all, we had grade 13 when we graduated. So we were at 19, 19, 20, 21. It's uh, an amazing experience. And I hope my kids get to experience it as well. I, I if, you, if people can experience it going away to school, which is so tough these days, given the cost of living and how every expense, how expensive everything is. And we actually on the show, we're just talking recently about some new numbers showing, I think 15% more kids are staying at home just because of the cost of everything, which is totally understandable. And that's unfortunate because it is, it is a, it is a life lesson. It is an experience that really is invaluable because it does prepare you for your next chapter. Yeah. Live. Well, learning how to do your laundry and make your own yeah. chicken nuggets. There's nothing like it. <laughs> yes, and you're Mr. Noodle Soup. You're a cup of soup. <laughs> that never changes. Now, Carolyn, coming out of university, the internet cannot agree on whether your start was as host of Rogers TV's Trial Living or as a videographer for ATV News on the East Coast. Yes, um, both are kind of right because I did both jobs, but the first was host of Toronto Living on Rod for Rogers. So I did that for a year, and then I got into the world of news not long after that. And that's when I picked up the job as a videographer, covering news on Cape Breton Island. And I mean, that was a large landmass to cover. I was covering some serious distance to cover news. And then every day I would file my story out of the Cape Breton Bureau. I'd edit it and then feed it to Halifax, where the mothership was. And that's where newscast was broadcast out of. And I, I, I was the voice of Cape Breton. I told the Cape Breton stories. Well, I think this gig is notable. because, As you know, from Cape Breton Island, you were spending like 80% of your time at the mouth of a coal pit. Oh, boy. Yes. I mean, I met some of the most wonderful people while working on the East Coast. And the mining families that just embraced me and took me in. I'm just, oh gosh, I'm 24, I guess, 24, 25, and never been to the East Coast prior to that job. And here I am at the edge of the Atlantic on a, in the middle of January. The miners are striking. The federal government is getting out of the coal business. And I have never been so cold in my life. So the miners' families, I would go into, um, maybe this wasn't, journalistically, maybe this wasn't the best thing to do, but I had to warm up. So I would, I would be, I'd be with the strikers in their camp, just, they'd be warming, <laughs> wives would be warming up my hands, trying to get blood back into them because they were it was just so cold. You, you can't operate a camera with gloves or mitts on. So, you know, you're taking your hands every so often to, to shoot and you're, you can't feel your fingers after a certain period of time. So yeah, I would um, go in with the strikers wherever they were warming up in their camps and, and warm up myself as well before I headed back into the elements. But some great uh, learning experiences. I would I would never begrudge myself that time period. I've never, it was the hardest year of my life in the sense of how much I did, how hard it was, 
just getting to a story was a task in and of itself because Cape Breton Island, it, it, a lot of hills, a lot of, you know, there's, um, there's a mountainous areas and, and we have, it's a cliffside that they're all around it. And the, so that was challenging geographically, but also the stories and, and trying to get them right when you're, you're coming from Ontario, you don't know that world, uh, all that well. And it's, it's, um, quick learn. Certainly the cold never scared you. If you, if you did your time in Ottawa, you did your time <laughs> Cape Breton, you needed more snow apparently because next you're off to Barry to work as an anchor for at the time, I believe it was a new television station, this being the new VR. You know what? I've never thought it. I, I'm living Elsa. I'm Elsa from Frozen because obviously I'm drawn to cold, snowy places. Yes. Then I go north of the snow belt in Ontario to Barry, where Yes, I can't believe the amount of snow that falls in that area. And that's where I, yes, I we call Barry home for nearly five years. And I have a great time, great time there, great time at that TV station. And we were a young bunch of people eager to learn the craft and tell great stories. And our, our news director was a storyteller himself. And he really, he saw how, how hungry we all were. And so he he just he just taught us how to do this job we call storytelling. And 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 the group of us, we just had uh we had a really good time professionally and personally. We all uh, to this day are friends. That's great. Well fast forward in two thousand five, you moved back to Toronto, you joined Global Television Network. How did this change come about? It was a tough one. I didn't even know I wanted I wasn't sure I wanted to leave VR because we had created such a home, but the opportunity arose at Global for a reporter, and Global was really the only place at the time that I could see myself working for and at, and I dropped off my resume, ta- and my demo reel, my resume, and and I got and I got the job, but it was a tough one because we we were very happy in Barry, but that same news director, he kind of, he kind of thought, I think this is, this is your next step. It's funny as a mentor. And as he was a mentor to me, for me over the years that when I went and asked him for his advice, sincerely saying, look, I have this job offer. I'm happy here. I don't know what to do. And he told me, he said, I, I think you need to go. I think you have learned what you can here. You have done a lot. I hate to tell you this. I hate saying this because you're one of now our senior people and and but I don't want to hold you back. I think this is your you have to take this step. How great is that? I mean, especially when you're dealing with someone who's in a mentorship role. If he had told you, don't go, it'll be the worst thing for you, you probably would have listened for so for someone to take that support Carly, you got. Let's give a shout out if you don't mind. Who is this mentor? That was it was Bob McLaughlin. He was the news director at the New VR at the time, and like I said, he was he was a great mentor for me. That's fantastic. Well, at Global, you eventually moved from anchoring Global's weekend news to anchoring its weekday eleven p.m. news, and I guess this was time to adjust your body clock. Yes, there's been a lot of that over the years. And then you throw kids into the mix and then you're adjusting the body clock even more. And then you're just trying to, 
get both family life and work life somewhat in sync, even though that is almost impossible. Yet, global was always very accommodating in the sense that I just, I remember, let's just go to the point where I make the flip to the morning show. It's just the kids were starting to do daytime school where nine to three and me doing the late night news at 11 and meant that they're coming home from school and I'm heading to work. That just no longer made sense. I didn't sign up to be a parent to not see them. So I went to Global and I, I, I just said, I can't, I can't do these hours anymore. They were perfect when they were babies and not going to school or going, you know, doing a preschool type situation. Uh, I was able to spend a lot of the day with them and then go to work in the night. And and they were going to bed at 7, 7.30. So it was fine. That worked out really well. But as soon as their hours switched, my hours had to switch as well. And then in 2015, you made the move to the morning show. How did this shift from anchoring news to hosting a lifestyle show come about? Became, it came about because of the family. It's out of necessity. And then I'm in this new forum wondering how did it take me so long to find this place? Because once I was at the morning show, I, I was basically, where have you been all my life? Not to begrudge news and not to, but I was there for so long. Where I was at in my life and having children, I felt like I was ready to just be more my authentic self and to open up, to be, to to show more of me. And news, you, news, you don't do that. You, you tell other people's stories. And this was an opportunity for me to show a bit more of, of me and, and, and kind of have a good time. I mean, on the show you're watching today, you know, we do have a good time. I mean, I was eating crickets the other day on the show. I don't know if that was a good time. Um, that was uh, an awkward time. That was eating. I don't recommend eating crickets first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. It's it's um it's it's they're hard to go down. Let's just say, but uh, the morning show was not hard to go down. I loved it. I I loved it from the moment I stepped into these doors. I was like, ah, gosh, okay, this is where I need to be, and this is this is great. Well, as noted, I am a viewer, but for anyone who is not, please make the pitch, Carolyn, for what the morning show is and why we should be watching it. I think it's it's an hour with friends. I mean, we have we've created the studio, the set to be very inviting, like our home, the TMS home, which is not just our home; it's it's a home for a second home for our viewers as well. So, and all of our contributors we see as family members. So we are just we are an extension of family. We it, it's sitting down with people you've come to know to have a conversation to go over whatever is happening, be it, um, you know, water cooler fodder, latest in entertainment or news items that are affecting our country or affecting Canadians. Now, we're not going to go hardcore into news. That's not what we do. But we'll, if people are talking about it, we will as well. But I think a lot of people, a lot of Canadians found us over the pandemic. We were the only show at the time that remained on we except for news I'm, I'm news obviously stayed on but as a lifestyle show we were the only one that did not go dark the moment COVID hit I remember us discussing this when it was starting to go down when everything was hitting the fan and 
And we knew shows were saying, okay, we've got to take a break. we got to figure out what's going on. And we decided, no, 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 no. Okay. We, we're not having in-studio guests anymore. Okay. Okay. What can we do? And we quickly transitioned. And to this day, that is something we pride ourselves on is that we watched everybody, all of our competition lives in the lifestyle arena go dark. Some people were, I think it was approximately at least two weeks, if not more for some. I feel like it took a couple of weeks for people to figure it out, but we figured it out on the spot. We were like, okay, we're going to do this. Well, during COVID, you were forced into a home studio setup. You would alternate with your co-host, Jeff MacArthur, as to being in studio versus beaming in from home. Carolyn, did you develop incredible technical production skills? Oh, yes. No, no, not at all. Not at all. With the kids learning from home and doorbells going off and uh, what else uh, we were doing. I was trying to do a food demo in the house. There was just the kids are planning in the background, doing their homework. Someone's tripping over a cord from my front that's, that's attached to my light stand. And there are, no, 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 no. You come back appreciating your the team uh, more than ever after you're you're at home doing it all yourself you know from lighting to any anything tech um even though i did have a start in that world by doing my own camera work and and editing i i don't need to go back it's okay yeah <laughs> we all have our jobs here and uh i'm happy when we have a camera operator and i'm happy when we have an editor uh so it was, I was wearing, we all were wearing many, many hats and there were too many. And for only one head, that's a lot. You did not have to be pushed to get back to the office. <laughs> Actually, though I couldn't wait, I was dying to get back to the studio because I just wanted a bit of a controlled environment. I My place was a three-ring circus. So I I remember even with Jen, Jeff was... I think Jeff was quite happy at home, and I and I was the one who's like, "I'll go back. I'll go back to the studio. I know no one's there, but I'll go back." Just then, I know that I won't have kids throwing things in the background, and it just, I yeah, that's what, at least I can have, like I said, a, a controlled environment. I have to ask you about your competition on CTV. It's actually the big time U.S. syndicated heavyweight show live with Kelly and Mark, featuring the, in my opinion, completely intolerable. Kelly Ripa, along with talk about nepotism, her husband, Mark Consuelos. How close an eye do you keep on their TV show and does it influence your show at all? You know what? I I don't keep a close eye only, I mean, because we're, we're on at the same time. So, and how concerned are we? We're not because not to toot our own horn, but to toot our own horn. I mean, we regularly beat them in, in ratings up this way for, amongst in the Canadian, for the Canadian audience. And like I said, I, I do believe so many people found us during COVID because people shuttered their shows and we stayed on and people were working from home because they had to. So they were starting to watch more television than they had in a long time. So they did find us and then stayed with us. And I think if you want if you want to know what's happening in your country, we we look for Canadian stories. Yes, you're going to get a, a sprinkle of American celebrities and celebrities around the world. And if it's making, if it's trending to some degree, but we really keep a close eye on Canadian stories and telling the Canadian story. 
from coast to coast to coast. We want the country represented in every which way, as well as geographically. So we do Hometown Heroes, and we did it over COVID, and we're doing it again now, just to shine a light on what people are doing within their community. So to your question, our, I, we don't really know what's going on over on that show, but and we don't really care because we offer something so different. We are, if you want what Kelly and Mark are doing, you're not going to, then you're not going to want to watch us because we're telling the Canadian story. We're telling the, we're highlighting Canadian communities. We're celebrating Canada. Kelly and Mark are doing that. They have, you know, that's a well-oiled machine and they've been doing it for many, many years with different hosts. They know what they're doing over there. But I think for a lot of our Canadian audience, that that's not necessarily what they want. Different audience, different content. Yep. I think another kind of content, of course, is social media. You do it for the show, Carolyn, but do you enjoy using social media for yourself and building your own personal brand? I I don't mind it in the sense that I'm an open book. I always have been. I think the more I think when we open our when we when we share, people will share right back at you and and they will appreciate it. We will have we'll find common ground and there's a beauty in that. What I don't love is just how time consuming it is. The day I'm a producer on the show as well. So I'm producing segments. There's a lot of prep that goes into the show, as you know, and into the, in, the, in the show and all the shows. So the time it takes to curate posts for social media, it's a lot. You see why people hire others to do their social media because of how time consuming it is. So even my kids, my kids are, why does it take so long for one post? Well, then I'm also a bit of a perfectionist. So I, I'm just like, I don't like to choose a filter. I just I don't, you know, so... My only issue and is is just how time consuming. Otherwise, it serves a purpose a hundred percent. It taps into another audience that we may not find in traditional broadcast. I I feel like I have I think on on social, I think there are people that just watch or follow me because of my fashion picks for the show, but have never watched a second of the show. So that's kind of neat. That's, you know, there's a whole other world that we've tapped into because of social media. So that's opened a whole bunch of doors and, uh, and that is, and that's fine. But you can see like when you're one person and you're only so many hours in the day, that's when you're just like, okay, all right, we got to find some times. You need your in-house help. I can tell you, Carolyn, here. Oh my gosh. Andrew, I actually, my son I was asking him to, he was filling around on my phone. And then I was like, why don't you do my fashion post for me? Can you edit that? And he, and he was like, at first he was like, okay. And he was doing it. And I was like, do you want to do this for me? Once a week on Fridays for my fashion Friday post. And then he looked at me and he said, no, that was it. I'll just do this one. Thanks. And I'm like, ah, shoot, shoot. That was his one charitable contribution to help mom. (laughs) I should have put a dollar value to it. Then I maybe get his attention. You have found the magic. That is it. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, I want to ask you about some significant events from your career. You covered the Queen's Jubilee visit. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Do you have a, does it say the year in my bio when that was? If I had been a better researcher and presenter, I should have had that date. But If I had been uh, a better writer for myself, I would have put that detail in. 
Monday, February 6, 2012. Okay, it wasn't as long as I thought, but still, a lot of time has passed since then. But you know which one I remember even more? I went to Windsor to cover Harry Meghan's wedding for the morning show. And see, any mom listening right now knows what's going on with me right now. I have no memory. (laughs) I don't know if I blame the kids. I don't know if I blame the cold weather that I've exposed my head to over the years covering news. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I do, my memory is not fantastic, but I went to Windsor. I'm just listening to my grandma right now. I, I did cover the Royal wedding of Harry and Meghan for the morning show. And that was, that was fascinating to observe. They are the couple that keep giving in terms of, uh, headlines. Oh, boy, do they ever. They do. They do. They do. You have also earned an Edward R. Miro Award for Excellence in Journalism. Was there a particular piece of journalism that earned you that recognition? Yes. And it was a series that I that I pitched, that I thought of, and I pitched it to the editorial team, and I got the green light to cover it. It was on accessibility on Toronto Transit, and we did a three-part series. And we really just exposed how inaccessible the system was. We did some real eye-opening experiments. And you really, and until, you know, even for myself, I did not know how hard it was to get from one end of the city to the other when, say, you're in a wheelchair. And that the routes one has to take There is no direct route because only some stations are accessible. Only some buses are accessible. Only some, geez, even some bus shelters are accessible. So you, the planning that goes in to a day trip that we all, that we all take for for granted is extensive to map out the people with whom I spoke. They said, yeah, to, I want to go to Yorkdale. It would take days of planning just to plan your route because the, the system isn't 100% accessible. So that was what we what we did. We carried out the series and that got recognized. Unfortunately, these are still issues that are quite mm-hmm. prevalent today. It's amazing. Yeah. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with Carolyn McKenzie, please check out the more than 175 additional episodes available anytime. We got Jesse Fuchs, Cheryl Hickey, Steve Coolius, Glenn Baxter, Ted Wallishan, Evan Solomon, Zed Vashalev, and Wendy Mesley, how they did it directly from the Toronto legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365, wherever you get your podcasts. It is now time for Carolyn McKenzie Fun Internet Facts. I got three for you. Okay. Number one, Carolyn is of Maltese and Scottish descent. Correct. My mom was born in Malta. She moved to Canada with her family when she was 12. And my dad's side, my dad's family has been in Canada for five generations. But prior to that, the homeland of Scotland. Excellent. Fun fact number two, Carolyn loves, capital L loves, to water ski. True, true. We, I, I love it. We have a family cottage. Uh, it has been standing since 1902. So it is... A true sense of the word cottage. 
it's not a house. It's not an engine. It's a, it's a cottage slash cabin. Um, it's been standing for a very long time. We, each summer, we wonder if this is the last year it, stand, it, it is going to stand because it's literally on blocks. <laughs> and the floor shakes every time we walk on it. But we were right on the water and we've always our water skied. And and I love it. Always have. It's excellent. Fun fact number three. Fifty percent of the general public mistakenly believes that your the morning show co-host Jeff MacArthur is actually your husband. The majority, the fifty yeah. percent, one in two, or more than fifty percent. Uh, well, uh, one in two of the general public <laughs> think that Jeff is your husband. Secretly, my husband. <laughs> Not a, secretly that he is when when you when you see him they just don't appreciate they somehow don't connect that you're not on the show with your husband like Kelly and Mark it's actually your co-host and your husband is someone different hold now okay Andrew now you got me cute they do one and two think Jeff is my husband yes yeah that's right that is so funny that is so funny so when I talk about Chris which I talk who I talk about quite frequently is that like just code for Jeff that maybe I guess you're appealing to the other 50% where I've been straight note. But, but what I do want to ask is, do you refer to Jeff MacArthur as your television husband? Oh, yeah, for sure. My work has been 100%, even though he feels more like a brother. I want to smack him like my brother most of the time. So we do, I mean, we do joke uh, work husband, work wife, but it really is, I would assume, and I think I know, we feel sometimes more like brother and sister than we do like husband and wife. Just because the way he aggravates me. <laughs> my, uh, si- my sister at home, Carolyn, is uh, raising her eyebrows. She knows exactly what you're talking about. I think I know the answer to this one. Now, Jeff seems very private, very cloak and dagger. But can you confirm? I think your screen chemistry is obviously excellent. But is it? it is, in fact, real. You guys actually do get along IRL in real life. 100% we do. We just went out for dinner with our spouses on that Friday and not our fake spouses. <laughs> not our... Code spouses, <laughs> um, but uh, we, the four of us, went over dinner on Friday night, and I mean, geez, my husband and and Jeff should have a show. Those two get along famously. I, that <laughs> they're, uh, I feel like they're more spousal than we are, but um, we get along. We do get along. We get a real kick out of each other, and and I think we are very opposite too in many ways, which I think makes it work too on the show because you know if it's so you don't want to be the same on the show it makes it a little boring i i think he he knows what makes me tick and he will will press those buttons just to get a rise out of me well it's it's good because as you know the landscape is strewn with on-screen co-hosts that uh tolerate each other but the minute they're done they have no time for each other so Good to hear yeah. that reality is, is as it is. <laughs> now, being on TV as long as you have, what is the strangest or most unexpected place you've been recognized? Maybe in a foreign country or in a doctor's office? Oh, well, okay, this is a slight twist, but in a gynecology office. <laughs> but we're I, getting, we're getting gyne- real here. I, I blame my gynecologist who always has students with him for calling me out. So it's not an exact kind of like, oh, I know you. But it, he was like, do you know who this is? And I was like, no, 
no, you're not doing this now when I'm in your office. And, you know, my everything is everywhere. I'm just mortified. I was, I'm like waving, hi, students here. Okay. You now know more about me than anybody else on the planet. Is is he still your gynecologist today, or did you have to change after that? <laughs> he is, he is, and I love him to pieces. Uh, he's a family friend, but oh gosh, maybe it just when you have that, when you're, you know, have that comfort level, it just like it's too much because then next thing you know, you're telling a class of students who who this person is. <laughs> it's all about place and time. We all have to be aware of that. I got a parallel one here for you, Carolyn. Who do you get confused for most often? For example, when I searched you on Google, it actually suggested back to me, maybe instead I was intending to look for Cheryl Hickey or Liza Fromer. Oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, Cheryl Hickey is a very good friend of mine um, and we work for the same company. Liza and I used to work together on the same show. So we, you know, uh, we have some common ground. <laughs> Now, Carolyn, they sometimes say you are best to not meet your heroes because, of course, they may turn out to be horrible people and ruin the whole image you had of them. You have met or interviewed all kinds of celebrities and newsmakers, so let's start with the positive side. Who in real life really was a great person and kind of exceeded your expectations when you met them in person? You know, honestly, there have been so many who have exceeded my expectations, which is so great. And we call it showing up. Because we're all in the business. You know, I mean, we have good days and bad days. And, and it's interesting when your job is, everyone is there, it's on air, it's public. So your bad days are out for everyone to see day in, day out. But we do call it showing up. And, you know, as celebrity, for example, is they're, they need, they're here to promote their show. We're here to make them shine but also have an interesting show so we're always trying to you know pull something out of the interview but the ones who constantly show up uh, I mean my all-time favorites when I see they're coming on the show when we look over when we do a week in review you know if I see Jan Arden Jan is always amazing uh, we often give her double uh, extra blocks just because she's just she shows up all the time and she just makes it so much fun and she's so real. You know, I talk about sharing and, and being an open book and she wears her heart on her sleeve and, and she doesn't hold back. Uh, another Eric McCormack, you know, here's a, like the Canadians. I, I love our Canadian celebrities. They're awesome. They, they really are. Uh, Eric McCormack is just, he's so great. And he's such a supporter of the show too. He, he has supported us and has, you know, talked about, watching that he, you know that he, he we were his show to watch during during covid when he was back home in in bc so those are a couple of favorites and i guess it's just like i said it's just it's it's the people that show up and and, and want to share well i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't explore the other side of that coin who really fell short and in your terminology did not show up now this could be someone doesn't have to be from tv it could be maybe you met someone in person and you're really looking forward to it and they just did not meet your expectations. <laughs> You're hesitant to name the names. Uh, I'll never forget. I've never seen such lighting come in for one person as I, I did for 
Fergie. She's lovely, lovely person. But the setup to get to do before doing that interview was extensive. I, uh, I've never seen such a setup for one person <laughs> in my life. That was something to, to take in. But she, but she was absolutely lovely. Cool mentioned Will Ferrell when I interviewed him. My phone after the interview. Gosh, and my phone. So, so funny that uh, I was sitting on my phone. And Siri decided to, I guess, talk in the middle of the interview. And it sounded like my, my butt was talking. Because that's where my phone was. It was under my butt. And Will, Will was just like, I'm sorry. Does your butt have a question? I'm like, I think it does. But I'm like, Siri, come again. <laughs> so we had a moment that was just awesome because he's just a genius. And, you know, being a comic and a comedian, he just picks up on anything and runs with it. But then afterwards, Siri can't keep her mouth shut during the entire interview with Will Ferrell. Then when I want the phone to actually be a camera and snap a photo of us, it won't. So then I'm like, so I'm like, oh, gosh, sorry. Well, I can't take this photo. OK, whatever. Thank you for the time. And then I go back to where all the reporters are and hanging out. And I'm still dabbling with my phone and cursing it because I wanted a photo. And then super go, he's walking by that room and he pokes his head in and everyone's like, oh, what's Will Ferrell doing in, in the uh, reporter room? And he goes, hey, he goes, did you get your phone to work for the for a shot? And I'm like, actually, I did. Yeah, I think it is working. He's like, come on, let's do this photo now. So then we did it. And I'm like, that's a cool person. That's a cool so, person. And I'm still trying to think of... I'm still trying to think of people who have disappointed, and they have. I just can't recall at the moment. I mean, I Jeff and I laugh about the times we've disappointed ourselves. We've been like, okay, let's do better next time. But it uh, goes to my whole, back to the whole thing about, you know, our good days and our bad days are there for everyone to see. Yep. You can't be too hard on yourself. Well, it's... <laughs> It's been a charmed life if you can only come up with the good ones. You didn't have any disappointments, so that's good. I love or it's that. that memory loss thing. I don't know. <laughs> Could be as well. As we close, Carolyn, I want to ask, what are you working on next? Will you ever get to that writing project you have always fantasized about doing? I know. I know. My dad and I talk about a, fan- a fantasy trip to Scotland to see where the Mackenzie clan was and the castle the, and all of that, just to take in the history and the heritage. And and, and I envision, because you can rent castles, and I envision us renting part of the castle. Maybe I don't know if we can afford the whole castle unless 50 people come with us. But I go, while they go off to golf, maybe that's when I'll start writing, <laughs> looking out into the highlands. And I don't know. So I, I have, I, I dream of one day, putting pen to paper and, and writing something. I just, uh, I'm just too busy at the moment, Andrew. I think it's great because now you've put it, it's been documented. Your dream, <laughs> rent that Scottish castle and start <laughs> writing. Carolyn, you're going to do it. Okay. If you can see it, you're going to do it one day. <laughs> I want to know where we can best follow you and where can we best follow The Morning Show? Our Insta at Carolyn Global at Morning Show CA are that is the Instagram and X handle, formerly Twitter, for the Morning Show. I'm at Carolyn Global on both sites, and I mean, are also our email addresses are also online 
but uh, I find Insta is my biggest go-to. So again, anyone can reach out to me there, direct message me or post or comment on, on a post. Tell me, tell me what you think of anything. You know, people tell me all the time, I didn't like your hair today. I'm like, okay, I'll change it for tomorrow. <laughs> didn't like your dress today. Okay. We got others in the closet. We'll try. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> You will have direct access, people. If you follow <laughs> Carolyn McKenzie, she will read your feedback. Well, that's great. Well, it was great meeting you today. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing some of your stories and uh, continued success. I'll be watching. Aw, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for the time. It's been my pleasure to have you. And to the listeners, on behalf of Carolyn McKenzie, I'm Andrew Applebaum, saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.